Aloha, guys, and welcome back to The Price for Paradise. My name's Woody. Right with me, as always, we got Walker. Yes, sir. And today we have a special guest with us, my friend Alex. She is a physical therapist. She works primarily with sports medicine, specifically basketball and swimming. Uh, she works in Scottsdale and North Phoenix. She started as a graduate assistant athletic trainer for the University of Montana, then reviewing her doctorate in physical therapy from Midwestern University. What's up, Alex? How How's are you? Going? Nice How are intro. You? <laughs> that was awesome. It's like you were introducing her for like an MMA fight. Yes. <laughs> yeah, anyways, put him up. <laughs> anyways, welcome to The Price for Paradise. Thank yes. you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start this off easy. What got you into PT and why are you so passionate about physical therapy? Well, uh, when I was 12, I ended up tearing my ACL in gym class playing basketball, which oh, is my favorite sport to play. The dreaded ACL tear. Yep, right out of the gate. Um, I went to my orthopedic surgeon, and he wanted to hold off on surgery for a couple of years because my growth plates weren't closed. And um, So I was in PT basically for two years intermittently. Oh, um, long time. Yeah. Jeez. And then and I had Usually the recovery is like a lot shorter than that for when you're an adult, but I guess yeah. during the growth period. It's yeah. about nine months if you have surgery on average okay. um, to get back to sports. If you're just getting back to sedentary lifestyle, it's about six months. Six months. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, give or take. But usually for sports, it's about nine months unless you're Adrian Peterson who gets back yeah. in six, which yeah, is well, awesome. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of money and, you know, he pays for a lot of nice therapies. <laughs> I have never uh, talking to somebody who has had an ACL tear before. <laughs> Um, if you could try your best to try to explain the uh, pain that is associated with something like oh, that, gosh. is it like a is it like a right when that happens? Is it like a pop or is it like well, something that again? She was twelve. I didn't even. Yeah, I was twelve. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But yeah. I but. still remember it, what happened to this day. Okay. But it, I didn't feel a pop. Normally, people will feel a pop, and then they're down on the floor. Okay. I just remember feeling. I, I can't even describe it. It was just a weird pain. I didn't cry. I don't think I screamed out. I think I just kind of sat there like, what did oh. I just do? And I was like, I'll still be able to swim tonight. I have practice. It'll be fine. Oh, really? So, and I was oh, just, so it was just like a shock thing? You just like, didn't feel anything? Like, it was yeah, just kinda, like it just started swelling up and I was like, I can't walk on it. Like it hmm. felt like I didn't have a knee. It just felt like there was this space where, oh, yeah, <laughs> like when I'd okay. step on it, it just felt like it was gone. Okay. And so I don't know. I, it just felt super unstable. Um, something was obviously wrong because... The gym teacher had me put change out of my gym clothes into regular clothes, and I yeah. had jeans with me, and I couldn't lift them up to show the nurse because <laughs> it swelled up so much. So I was like, "Well, yeah. well, maybe that it didn't is work." Right. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, I was gonna try and go to class the rest of the day, and I kept trying to walk on it, and it just it was not happening. I couldn't put any weight on it because it just felt like it was gonna go. Jeez. And my twin brother was in the class with me, and he's like, "What are you doing? Go home!" Like, yeah. you know, he. He's he was like always toughing sick out the pain. For, yeah. <laughs> 12 years old, too. That's a quite a young age to experience, like, an injury like that, you know? Yeah, for mm -hmm. real. Usually kids bounce back. But then it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was gone. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there was a – I can't remember his name, and I always try to remember it. It's a guy in the NBA. He he tore both ACLs. He played just fine without surgery. Really? Yeah. Without I surgery? couldn't do it. Oh. There was no way. I couldn't even walk on it. And then <laughs> yeah. for the two years before surgery, I was fine. I had a brace on. And gotcha. looking back, I'm like, I probably could have – gone without it a little more if i had been more compliant with my program yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm 12 what are you gonna have yeah you, you can't control the kid he wants to uh, you want to go out and play and like be a kid and like enjoy life so, right so, yeah yeah pt <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah so you went to pt after you tore your acl yep they got me set up on and like a prehab program and then i had surgery i was back into pt gotcha and mm -hmm. that's kind of what like initially inspired thinking about yeah. Doing physical therapy. Yeah, because my PT was just, I mean, she was awesome. And mm -hmm. then my twin brother actually tore his ACL the day after I got mine fixed. Oh so my God. that was Whoa. kind of like, let's do rehab together, you know? What so, was he doing? so I'm guessing you work on ACLs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, come on, like, <laughs> Absolutely. Now, he, uh, he was playing basketball too. Oh. He he had a contact injury though, so someone actually hit him. I just tripped over myself, okay. which is super embarrassing. But it's more common to have an ACL tear without getting hit. Okay, gotcha. So you'll you'll see it a it's lot. It's a non-contact injury for most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and then unfortunately you'll have contact too. Yeah. But yeah, so Jeez, that kind of kept crazy. the ball rolling, and um, 
he also broke both his arms at the same time, like a couple of years later. Like, it was. So, you guys' <laughs> entire life was a rehab. Like, yes. like, like, and then once he was, you were out, then you were just telling him, like, oh, do this. No, you do this now. Like, yeah, yeah. Right into it. Yeah. So, it was kind of nice because we rehabbed together in a sense. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we had different PTs at the same clinic, and I actually, um, I still talk to like his PTs, and I still try to talk to mine. And so. Very cool. Yeah. So, I'm just curious, like, because that happened when you were 12, right? You started going to PT, like, when you were 12. Mm-hmm. So, was that, like, from that point on, was it just, like, I want to be a physical therapist when I'm older? Or was it, I want to be an athlete? Or where was your mindset, like? <laughs> Did you want to get back to athletics? Yeah. Like, yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. So, I, I was a competitive swimmer for 10 years. So, I really wanted to stick to swimming. But I also wanted to play basketball. Right. So, while I was in PT, I was like, I'm going to get back to sports. It's going to be great. Um, at the time I was like, I really want to swim college. I, I knew I wasn't going to Olympics. There was no way, but I was like, it'd be kind of cool to swim in college. And yeah. my sister, she's a year older. We swam together. Okay. Um, I learned by watching her. That's how I learned how to swim. It took one week of swimming lessons and then they were like, just go on the team. Oh you, wow. Cause I just learned by watching. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think I always knew I wanted to do something medical cause my dad's a critical care paramedic oh, and he's cool. been doing that for 30 years. So um, I was like something medical related. I was thinking heart surgery, and then the older you get, you realize the the liability with that, and yeah, well, you're also dealing with pressure, someone on the table like, who's not awake. <laughs> I like talking to people, so it's <laughs> like PT's it. It's great. Yeah. You get the best of both worlds, though. I completely agree. That's the way I would do it too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I just got done doing PT like a year ago for my back. I had two. Uh, I had a herniated disc in my back, so I had to do some PT for it. Okay. Um, and it was like right in the middle of COVID, so oh. there was a concierge PT. Uh, girl who came in like to my house and like helped me with stretches and like all sorts of stuff so mm-hmm. it was cool and I definitely needed it like physical therapy for those people who think that they don't need it like after you need it you need it like <laughs> you need it your body is not used to like it's used to a way you live before which is an active whatever it is before yeah. and then it gets like acclimated to the this like very injury stagnant. Yeah, yeah exactly so it's a must honestly but for yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to get back to like a hundred percent, you you gotta you can't just look at a Wikipedia page and be like, "Yep, <laughs> this is the PT I yeah. need to be doing," because everyone's different and it's, everyone's mm-hmm. experience is different. So coming from someone that has torn their ACL, it's Absolutely. nice going to a PT that's actually done that and, yeah. like, and like been through those pains because you can like respond with all the answers. Like, yeah, that happens and that happens and like for sure, yeah. Very- and I have had patients say that gave them comfort knowing like I've been there totally because I can tell them oh, yeah. I know the pain Absolutely. you're feeling like. You know, your situation is completely unique to you and it's different from what I experienced, but I can tell you maybe this, we can share this kind of experience. Right. And sometimes that kind of helps with the, because I mean, nine months is a long time to be out of a sport. Oh, absolutely. It feels like a lot. Yeah. It feels like (laughs) three years as as an athlete. It's depressing. Yeah. So like if you can encourage them and show them like, this is the progress you've made. This is where you could be if you didn't do this. The little wins. Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, that's interesting. That brings up a question on my end is just as far as like mindset goes, like I know you're helping them physically get back to where they want to be. Is there a lot of kind of mindset coaching and kind of like uplifting talk and like positive affirmations for them that you give them? Because like you said, it's a very depressing time. Those nine months like feel forever. (laughs) And especially when you're seeing your teammates play and win game or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Is there like a a mental element that you like bring across to your Absolutely. I, um, I was actually listening to, it must've been the, was it the fourth podcast with Amy, the sport? No, it was the one before that the sports performance. Yes. Yes. Um, I loved what she had to say because I've actually just recently been telling all my patients, regardless of what their background is, athletic or not, um, if they can have some form of mental hygiene, so like 100%. mental hygiene. I like that. Yes. Yeah. I like that. One thing we talked about in my sports performance or sports psychology class was dental hygiene. Uh-huh. We go every six months, right? To get our <laughs> yeah. teeth clean. Why don't we do that mentally? Very Even if it's point. just talking Definitely. to a counselor Very or something, point. just like somebody spilling it all out there on the paper, like writing in your journal, like, yeah, but exactly. with a person. <laughs> yeah. And like, cause you can talk to your parents. Like I talk to my mom and dad all the time. Thankfully, mm-hmm. you know, like they help me with a lot of things, but they're emotionally vested in me. And I'm emotionally vested in them. And so there's so always going to be some bias. bias. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength. But, um, you know, if you talk to someone removed from your life, removed from the situation, someone you don't see daily, it, it can be super helpful. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I was doing it for a while um, because there were times when I would be working and I was like, I feel like I'm failing myself and I don't know why. 
Mm-hmm. And then I, I started talking to them. They'd give me pointers like, do things that'll, that you'll be thankful for tomorrow. Like that you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Gotcha. Control the controllables. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't get like, uh, compare yourself to the other guy without, with a f- nice ACL. Like yeah. obviously right. <laughs> you're not there yet. Like you're going to, but the little wins, right? Yeah. 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 So I've been telling my patients and athletes, especially like you need to talk to somebody, whether it's a sports performance coach or counselor, just somebody, um, you know, get some positive outlook on what you can do. Don't think about what you can't do. Absolutely. And one, one of the biggest philosophies I think I have when I'm treating athletes is that they're never going to miss a day of their sport. I was actually just talking about this with the patient this morning, <laughs> but, um, you know, like the best example I could think of right now is Damian Lillard. He broke his foot in college. I think it was his foot. Um, and he couldn't be weight bearing on it, but I can guarantee you, he wasn't just in some PT clinic, just doing his rehab, you know, right. with the TheraBands or whatever. He was actually on the court shooting hoops from a chair. Um, so you're still going through the motions of like that mental side of like playing the game, like visualization, visualization. And Amy talked about that a lot. Like, yeah, you you, you don't use it. You lose it. Right. And Amy, she talked a lot about visualization and imagery. Like when she's on the bike, she's talking about the laps. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. That's beautiful. And especially with swimmers, that's kind of a challenge to show them like, you know, just because you're in a clinic doing rehab. Exactly. You have to be able to do the rehab out of the pool. So you're bringing the pool to them. Mm So, um, I had a swimmer, um, that I was treating a while back and I was like, how can we mimic swimming like on land? I mean, I did dry, dry land training and it was, we would do streamlined squat jumps and stuff, but she couldn't jump. So I was like, what can we do where she's like using her arms? Cause it was a leg injury. Um, so I basically had her swimming on a box. Like a plyo oh, box. so she's like a little raised, so she's not touching the ground, but she's right. just swimming in and the air. And she can flutter kick because there's no resistance. Perfect. Um, but we hooked resistance up to her arms, so she's getting a core workout out of it. And There's ways around it. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to. Like, just sit around. Like, healing is not just sitting around. You, you work on it to get back to normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. But getting them to realize, like, hey, this isn't just you doing a squat to a box. This is you every time you push off the wall or every time you dive off the block or... Um, every time you pull on your butterfly, you know, get your hands to your hips, that kind of thing. Right. Put it um, into like competition terms. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I try to explain to them, this is what this exercise is mimicking. This is what it's going to help. Cause if you just approach PT as a healing philosophy or a healing nature, yeah, it's going to work, but mentally the athlete might not be there. So you have to phrase it like this is a performance tool. Wow. Especially with that, like knowledge of that ACL tear, like you don't want to like you, you, kind of hold back like that mm-hmm. step like that outer like i don't know oh, there goes my <laughs> mic uh yeah you just you just hold back on that injury spot because you don't want to like do it again and that is always in your head ever at, yes like every day after you tear it fear is probably one of the biggest reasons why people re-tear their acls fear yeah fear. because they they start to move differently and they won't use that leg Compensate. i can't tell you how many times i have to correct someone's squat because they'll squat away from that leg it's like nope you got to get on it so we'll do things it's called rnt um i forget the what the abbreviation stands for so that's my bad but um if they're squatting and they're going to their right leg i actually put a power band around their waist and i pull them to the right because they're already gone right right yeah, yeah but if you go too far you're gonna fall so they have to lean left oh that's yes. interesting yes that's and like i a, okay gotcha yeah and i don't use mirrors yeah which i i had a lot of patients that were like why aren't there mirrors here? You know what? So they can see what they're doing, but you want to be able to feel what you're doing and like, exactly. Cause we talked about this before. Yeah. 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 So you, you're not going to have a mirror on the field or at the bottom of the pool. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see yourself doing the motion. So shouldn't you be able to feel what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not like you got to make it more realistic. Yeah. 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 So there is a mirror at the clinic I'm at. Um, but I, I, I don't use it. I try to tell my patients, don't look at it. (laughs) So the mental aspect is huge in your practice then. Oh yeah. It seems like that's, like a dominating thing because i mean like you said i mean you can heal people just being a physical therapist and going through you know the motions or whatever with mirrors or and not really thinking about oh this is going to impact like from baseball standpoint my swing oh this is going Mm -hmm. to impact like you know however i do whatever Mm -hmm. like to to have that kind of visualization and that's when you see like top performers they Mm -hmm. they practice visualization all the time all the best golfers in the world you'll see them like close their eyes same thing with Paul Goldschmidt, former Diamondback. Yep. You can see him up on, mm-hmm. on the on-deck circle just like. And you can see the difference between those who practice visualization and those who don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You got to get your mind right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about uh, 
back in our last conversation way back when <laughs> we talked about uh the braces and how uh mm-hmm. soon you can get out of the brace and how you shouldn't really lean on that brace as like a crutch like you don't want to be used to the brace because you're never going to come back fully with that brace on right right so with the brace because i had it on for the two years between my surgery and between the injury and the surgery um i kind of developed a psychological dependence on it is how my PT phrased it. And she's like, you don't, I went and visited her. Oh gosh, it must've been like a year or two after I had the surgery. And she's like, you're still wearing that? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, you probably don't need it if you're strong. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. And I, the first time I noticed I didn't have it was when I first moved to Arizona. I was playing basketball and intramurals and I just, I had the most fun. It was a great game. Um, And then I was like, something feels weird though. And I looked down and I was like, I don't have an e-brace on. That's a first. And I was like, it's up in Montana, so there's no bringing that down here. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but with the brace, it, it kind of varies. Part of it depends on surgical protocol and what the physician requires or um, prefers. Yeah. Um, I've had some, I've had one surgeon in particular who does not do any bracing after surgery. No bracing. Because you don't need to, right? It's right. It's not a necessity. Right. And the first time I saw that as a student, I freaked out a little bit because I was like, whoa. Someone who just had ACL surgery and there's right. no brace on? What? You know, because I only knew my experience. Um, but now I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. But when I do PT with ACL patients, I typically try to have the brace off as much as I can in the clinic because a big part of specifically ACL rehab, but any rehab is building the athlete's confidence in what they're able to do and what they're going to be able to do. Okay. Cause if you don't emphasize that, then they're, they're always going to be thinking, well, I had that knee injury. I can't really do that. You know, oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, like mentally bracing themselves. But you can of. get back. Right. Yeah. Like you can Absolutely. get back to 100%. Like, yeah. You could even get better, which is my goal with most of them. I'm yeah. like, we want you better than where you were before you had the injury. Yeah. So, you know, if you're running a 4-2, let's get you to a 4-1. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, with the brace, the only thing is around – Months two to three, you have to be a little careful because the graft is super vulnerable um, to retear because there's blood supply. When you first have the surgery and the ACL is repaired, you've got all this blood supply in the knee and at the ligament. Mm-hmm. For some reason, between eight to 12 weeks, that blood supply scales back and it huh. dies back. But your knee feels During, super like, the good. During the adaption period or like to that graft? Like what is the... It's just it's, it's just a pattern usually seen with ACLs, um, okay. any grafts. It could be a cadaver, it could be a hamstring, patellar tendon, even quad tendon. That's a new one. Um, but usually the knee's feeling pretty good. So people are like, oh, get rid of the brace. We're going to go hiking today. Uh. And then they come back and they're like, I did something to my knee. And it's like, yeah, you, you were supposed to wear your brace. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have any blood supply, so it's not strong. Yeah. So usually for that month, I'm like, let's keep the brace on. But, you know, if okay. there's something where they're doing, you know, sagittal plane or, you know, straightforward and back mm. squatting or something, double leg, mm. I'm like, you can probably take it off. Okay. Just don't wean off of that leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And then, um, Talking about ACL tears, a lot of people, like, their leg atrophies a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. you tear something else on the kinetic chain because of the compensation. Does that happen often, or... You do see opposite side injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what... I feel like that's what happened to me when I tore my hamstring, is, Mm -hmm. like, I fell on a hike, and I busted open my knee, and I was in a straight leg cast for, like, two months, and my leg got really small. My right leg got really small. Well, I tore my left hamstring and I was wondering what, and I think it's just from, you know, the imbalances, but yeah, yeah, talk to me about the imbalances a little bit. Yeah. So we'll see. It kind of goes back to the squatting thing where they'll shift over to the non-injured side. Um, and I probably sound like a broken record every time I'm telling them, go back to the left, go to the left. (laughs) But yeah, um, atrophy is a big deal. Uh, one thing that we use in PT is blood flow restriction therapy. Um, perfect. It's, Awesome. I love it. It actually, I think it was primarily used for post-op ACL initially. And can you explain that for the listeners real quick? Yes. So blood flow restriction therapy, we take a, it's essentially a blood pressure cuff and we put it as high up around the arm or the leg um, as you can. You want it pretty snug, but then we inflate it to a certain percentage of blood flow restriction. So you're allowing some blood flow in, but not a lot out. Okay. Um, So for an ACL tear, you put it like all the way up. Yep. Pretty much all the way in the groin. Yeah. And then you have them work out that leg. So if their quads atrophied, you're going to have them like doing squats, leg press. You could even have them doing step downs, just something to burn the quad. So they work out while they have that device. Yes. So extra tension. So you grow that muscle more than it the other. It stimulates human growth hormone. Yeah. Okay. 
to that muscle. Nuts. I've never yeah. heard about that before. Yeah, it's oh, crazy. Yeah. Blood I, flow restriction is huge. You just have to be careful with it. Do you do it? So like, let's, say, <laughs> let's say you tore your right ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, and this may be a stupid question, but I'm just like, nah, nah, curious. Like, mm-hmm. if, like, would you put it on both legs or would you just put it on the injured leg? You can put it because on both. Okay. I would just wonder. Yeah, like, there's a lot of lifters. The imbalance thing no, so it, there's like, a lot of lifters that do um, blood flow restriction when they're not injured. And they, mm-hmm. they use that as like a, a training mechanism as well. Bodybuilders like, use it a lot. Bodybuilders use it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, you could do it on both legs. Usually for rehab, I'll just do it on the one. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a safe way to get hypertrophy faster. Yeah. So muscle growth. But yeah. Um, yeah, you can do it. Usually I'll just do it on the one side if it's pretty atrophied. But usually what was happening with my ACL patients was... I'd work their injured or their surgical legs so much that it would become stronger than it's the other one. Yeah, <laughs> it was way jacked. Was, so I was that like, was well, shoot. <laughs> and we would see it like on their jump tests and everything. I was like, oh no. So we, then I would switch to doing it on both. I would never just switch to just doing the one. Right. Um, but I'll get a lot of uh, people that have had ACL surgeries too, like way in the past. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, my knee's really hurting. And they haven't been doing like lifting. They've just been playing sports and yeah, it's starting to atrophy again. So we put the BFR on there, work them out for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks, and then they're fine. But um, you just have to be careful with it after surgery because it can cause swelling. So if there's a lot of swelling in there, I typically hold off. Gotcha. Okay. But, yeah. mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, surgeries. Uh, what about uh, other surgeries like uh, dry needling? So we talked about this with Amy the other yes. day. Um, mm-hmm. when She used dry needling a lot. So can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah. I love it. And um, when she was talking about the stress fractures in her leg, dry needling is really good for that because it actually can stimulate bone growth. Um, oh. There's a technique called bone tapping. Yeah, yeah. So you drive it all the way through the muscle to the bone, and you actually tap the bone. Ooh, yeah, it, it, it sounds, sounds weird. Awesome. <laughs> but you don't feel anything, right? Yeah. I mean, you just feel a little tap a little in there, but it's not, like, sharp. The, the worst part is just when the needle goes in, and then you're fine. But and It's a really thin needle. Very thin. Like, I, I've had it done on, yeah. on my back. It's very, very thin. It's the initial impact, yeah. Like, yeah. And then once it's in there, yeah, you're, no. you just, yeah. Yeah. They're like acupuncture needles, kind of basically. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I use that a lot, actually, for gaining mobility, um, decreasing pain. You can use it to decrease swelling. Um, what I find is that a lot of patients really love it. And then there's a lot of patients who really hate it. (laughs) The needle fearing patients. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, The people who don't get shots at the, you know, doctor, those people. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like touchy. Usually the way I introduce it to a patient is I just say, you know, like, Hey, this is your first appointment. We do have this thing called dry needling. Have you ever had it? If they say no, I'm like, okay, well, it'll be a last resort thing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not seeing any progress in like two months or two weeks to a month, then I'll be like, maybe we should introduce this, get things going a little bit. Um, but if it's a patient that's had it before, I can do it the first visit. It's fine. Yeah. So can you tell us the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of similar, right? <laughs> Good question. It's kind so, of- <laughs> um, I don't entirely know what acupuncture entails because I've heard there's a nutrition component to it at times. I've also heard that, yeah, I, I've just heard a lot of things. There's a whole lifestyle associated with it. Um, I'm not totally educated on that, but what I can tell you is that they typically go off of meridians. I can't tell you what that means, but (laughs) as far as like dry needling, it's anatomical placement. So we look at like where the muscles attach, um, where the muscle bellies are. We can even go in tendons, um, that kind of thing. So it's more anatomically based. Yeah. So there's a, we have a, an acupuncture specialist that revitalize and I think they've kind of focused more like less on kind of the anatomical things and like, mm-hmm. cause they, you can get acupuncture in like your forehead, like certain things triggered, like certain pressure emotions. points and, yeah. like people get it for headaches and like kind of things that come up daily for them, like daily ailments, some chronic pain. Yeah. And nothing yeah. that's like, and I mean, sometimes it can be in a muscle, I guess, but I think usually it's like kind of around joints and I don't know. That's, that's as best as I can come up with, but yeah. I know that there's a difference between the two of them. Yeah. 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 Cause like, like someone was trying to explain acupuncture to me and they're like, well, some people make a whole lifestyle of it. So you have a routine in the morning, a routine at night. These are the things you're supposed to eat at these times. I'm like yeah. <laughs> dry needling, we Whoa. just needle the muscle and we call it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. well, not only that though, I think one of the, um, biggest misconceptions with needling is that once you're needled, you're fine. You actually have to do something after like some form of exercise Some for it right after. Yeah. Um, so whether it's a stretching routine or your actual rehab program, um, cause you know, I've had patients that'll just come in to do dry needling, but I always have them set up with a home program. So I'm like, you're going to do this right now. Right. And they're like, yep. So you can't just be sedentary. Like you can't, you can't just get needled and leave. Cause if you do that, then you're just 
poking yourself and not fixing the cause you're treating the symptoms yeah (laughs) it doesn't always work though if you don't fix the cause right yeah of course so um for example like if i had a patient with frozen shoulder which is awful (laughs) i'll dry needle them but then i'll have them do like nerve glides or something like that after um because when the nerves are more mobile because the muscles have relaxed so you're training the nerve to glide more efficiently and then you're also training them like the needles were the source of pain, not the pain that you're feeling in your shoulder. So it's almost like tricking the nerves to recognize, okay, you're this injury, which it's there, mm-hmm. but your body needs to recognize it's no longer an injury. It's okay. Right. So, yeah, so you're just kind of setting off the little pain signals so that it's like, yeah, can yeah. trick in it. Yeah, okay. And so I'm yeah. almost wondering if maybe that's what the, the mental comment was <laughs> with the, the shin splints. I don't know though, yeah. or the stress fractures, not shin splints. Sorry. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So with your, uh, with your clinic, you're treating, I think you said mostly basketball players and swimmers, correct? That's yeah. That's what I'm working on right now. Okay. Yep. So are there any other kind of athletes you're working with or is it just the, uh, basketball and swimmers? I treat everything. So, oh. um, oh. my last job, I was primarily working with soccer. Oh, um, okay. and it was a lot of fun. How many, uh, how tons of ACL tears in soccer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of ACL tears, lots of ankle sprains. Um, with my athletic training background, I worked a lot with women's volleyball, tennis, men's basketball. I was mostly with men's basketball as a student and women's volleyball as a grad assistant. Um, football. I, I like treating any sport, gotcha. honestly. Okay. So I didn't know if it was specifically basketball and swimming. No, those are just a couple of mm-hmm. the athletes I treat. I like triathletes, runners, um, cool. even recreational athletes. So, you know, you've got your CrossFitters, um, your weekend warriors, um, one thing that I can't really put into one sport is concussions, even though soccer and football tend to have the highest rates, sure. but I treat concussions too. Oh, do you? Yeah. How do you treat a concussion? Therapy. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard about that before. Preach. Tell me yeah. what, tell me what you do. <laughs> Wait, I don't so, know how you treat a concussion. Um, concussion rehab is cool. It's a, uh, you have to do some neck strengthening and upper body because a lot of it can be postural to oh. prevent a future concussion. What they find is that if you have weaker neck strength, you're more likely to sustain a concussion. And does that, does that just like cut off blood flow by not like, I don't know, being Um, posturally correct. I don't know. I mean, with the posture thing, you're impinging on some nerves and stuff like that. And then you're also setting yourself up for whiplash. Yeah. Um, and then if you have a stronger neck, you can prevent the whiplash, but it's hard because even if you prevent the whiplash and your whole body's moving, your brain is floating. So mm-hmm. you can get yeah. hit. You can do all these things to prevent a concussion. It's some it's probably still going to happen mm-hmm. in some capacity yeah. because the brain's still free to move even though your skull is still. Right. So it's almost that, that's why it's so hard to develop a football helmet to Yeah. Like Well, I mean the better stuff. they develop the helmet, the harder these guys can hit each other. And that's yeah. why that's why it turns up the game, but then it's like, oh, are we really being safer because the right. rugby guys don't have as much issue as the football players with concussion and it's because they don't have helmets yeah because they have to wrap up and they have to tackle differently but mm-hmm. when you have this like super grade helmet <laughs> you can just run full force with these super athletes right at each other and, yeah and so and i'm almost like just thinking about it, i'm almost concerned that there might be more neck injuries or spinal cord injuries because people would load with their head you know yeah. lead with their head sorry but yeah. um yeah i don't know i the concussions is interesting so it's a lot of balance work um, a lot of inner ear vestibular work. So, uh, sometimes people will get what's called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Oh, BPPV. Word. That's a little easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically what happens is they'll go to move into a certain position and they just get the spins right away. And to get mm. out of it, they have to move or do something, but it seriously feels mm. like they're going to fall because the world's just spinning and you can oh, see it in their eyes. Lord. Um, one way to see what it looks like is if you take someone and spin them in an office chair and then you stop and watch their eyes. It ticks back and forth. Oh, because it thinks it's still going. Oh, yeah. Because you guys have done yeah. that before, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. I was like, I'm not the only one, right? I, was a, I, was a, I did that last week. Anyway. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> I'm just going to wake up. That's Come awesome. On. I got a new spinny chair and yeah. I had to test it out, okay? <laughs> Make sure it spins all the way. No, but um, it's it's very interesting. So there's certain maneuvers we can do for that because that's like the inner aero crystals. That's like the term that most people affiliate it with but mm-hmm. they get knocked loose so you have to get them right back in the right position um then the nystagmus usually stops or the eye ticking but um it that's the that part's a little easier to treat because it only takes about two to five visits to do it okay. okay but it really counts on the patient being compliant with their home program 
Because there's exercises supposed to do, you know, two to three times a day, five minutes a day. And you can tell when someone doesn't comply with their at-home stuff, right? Like, it's pretty obvious. I'm probably the most guilty of that myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Going back to my 12-year-old self, I... My PT knew. My my mom knew. We put the stationary bike in my room. Oh. <laughs> so I would actually do it. I was like, oh, yeah, I probably should do that instead of just swimming. But I mean, 12 years old, like, yeah. you're not thinking like, right. like, in that capacity. Yeah. Like, so that, with that experience, actually, when I work with little kids, mm-hmm. I try to make a game of it. You know, like, oh, have fun okay. with this. This is a game you have to play with your parents every night. Right. Because it's an experience you had. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. so I had, did the same thing when I was your age. Right. And, and I never did it. Right. And I have this little kid right now. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute. But he is the biggest Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. fan. And so, uh-huh. like, everything we do, I'm like, Patrick Mahomes probably has to do this. So you should yeah, do it, too. <laughs> and then I usually try to throw some football in there because he wants to play football. I'm like, yeah, you got to do, you know, grab the football. Yeah. This is how you're going to hike the ball or, you know, get the ball. Yeah. This is how you're going to throw it. You have to land with your foot like that. <laughs> so cool. it's kind of fun. All right. So we talked about dry needling. We talked about blood pressure restriction. I mean, blood flow restriction and uh mental aspect mental aspect but um is there anything that you like want to hit on like therapies wise that we haven't hit on yet um that people do um i guess i would just say um a lot of people like the hands-on like the massage and Mm. Yeah. Joint mode. Scraping, they feel good. Yeah, they cupping. Feel good. Well, cu- no, scraping, no, I, I am not a fan scraping. of. But I love scraping. <laughs> you really? Yeah, I'm a big fan of scraping. Oh, I'm such a baby I mean, about it. Feels it feels good afterwards. During, it's like <laughs> it's a good pain. No, it's like a, it's like a, it's like <laughs> I know oh this feels like I'm healing. Yeah. <laughs> like it turns red, like wherever you're scraping. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I yeah. love using it. I hate having it done to myself, but yeah. the benefits are really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually use that altering with dry needling for like muscle strains. It works really well. Um, or alternating, sorry, man, I'm on it today, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I guess I would say, you know, like all those things are great and all, but Mm -hmm. the, the biggest healer is going to be yourself. Um, one thing, the Wim Hof breathing. Yeah, the yes. Wim Hof breathing. Yes. You like that? Because you're putting yourself in control of your own breath. Let's go. Um, Amy hit on that as well from what I was listening to. Oh, um, yeah. But that fires me I up. think if you... <laughs> I figured <laughs> it was. Keep it coming. <laughs> but if you, like, if you yourself can't get yourself to move the way your body appreciates, then mm. you're going to struggle. Um, if you're relying on someone else's hands to put you in the position that you want to be in, you're going to struggle. Like, you know, to be an Olympian, you don't, speaking of Olympics, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, we'll use Katie Ledecky as an example. So like, she's a phenomenal swimmer. (laughs) First woman to win the gold medal in the mile for the Olympics. That That was like today or this morning? I think think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was recent. It was very recent. I saw a bunch all over the news. But I didn't, like, she didn't have her athletic trainer put their hands on her to do that. She did it on her own. Like, she had to get in the pool. She had to get up early in the morning, go swim. She had to go in the afternoon, go swim. You know, she had to put her head in the water. It wasn't someone else. Mm -hmm. So with PT, I try to get people to realize, like, hey, you know, you're in charge of it. Yeah. If you want to feel better, you have to do it. Um, I still like the philosophy of treating every patient like a professional athlete. So they always get a hands-on component. If they want the ice and stim, they can have it. And that should be that should be the them. way it is. Though. It really like, should be. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. should treat their bodies like a, a temple. Like you know, like mm-hmm. what you. This is your life. Your life is your body. Like if you're health unhealthy, like you can't live your life well or to right. the fullest. Like crap. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And you're going to bring that upon the other people around you. Yeah. Yeah. And professional athletes, like you mentioned it earlier, they spend a lot of money on their bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, these patients, like, yes, they're, if they're going through insurance, cool. If they're paying out of pocket, cool. But, you know, they're taking the time out of their day to get better. We should probably facilitate that. And right. if that means doing the hands-on stuff and using the electrical stim, you know, like I, electrical stim, I kind of have a 50-50 look at it. I think it works for some people. Research it. It's, it's kind, kind of, of up, up in, in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't think it's necessary, but if a patient likes it and that's what helps them, I'm going to have them do it. Yeah. And I've, I've had patients request it or ultrasound. There's maybe one or two things I could think ultrasound is good for. One is detecting fractures. Possibly it's not definitive. And then two, um, helping with like patellar tendonitis. That's the strongest evidence for its use. Right. Um, Interesting. but I'll have patients request it, and I'm like, well, if that makes them feel better, then we're going to do it. Right. Because it's that's what they're saying is in their control. They feel like the ultrasound is going to help them get better as long as they understand that their body is going to be what gets them there too. And that's really interesting because when I was in uh, 
college, the PT was always doing ultrasound on my knee because I had a split open knee and he wanted the scarring to get better and mm-hmm. like in that way. So that was just interesting. Yeah. Um, it does help with heating up tissue so you can break it down. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't the wrong thing to do at the time. Okay. Just <laughs> it's more superficial than like if you got on a bike and warmed up, then you're warming up internally. Like you're using your own muscles to get yeah. warm. But um, I just, if patients can understand that they're the ones empowering themselves to get better, I think they tend to have better results. Because, I mean, when I was a student, I was on rotations all over the place. And you run across patients that are like, you know, I just want, I just want the meds. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good. I'm like, but that's not going to serve you in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's a very short-term yeah. solution. It's just putting a Band-Aid on, honestly. So getting them, you know, and especially in today's world with the whole opiate crisis. Yeah, and, and what everything. are the meds? They're just painkillers. And then, yeah, or it's if you're taking an antibiotic, pains. you're yeah. destroying your gut flora. Like, mm-hmm. it's there, there's so much, like... Yes, and thanks for bringing that up, too, because that's so true that people don't understand. Like, antibiotics are totally, like, I mean, that's why we our lifespan has increased now, like modern conventional medicine, and it's good for those things. But if you're taking antibiotics all the time... A couple times a year, it's you're, re- you're, you're really bad for you. gut flora, and, mm-hmm. like, or gut flora, right? Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, that makes you susceptible to everything else, all the other viruses, bacteria, everything that you put in your gut. And that's a like great point as well, because a lot of people don't understand that part. And I see that a lot in the clinic where patients will, they'll call to cancel because their stomach's not feeling good because yeah. they might have an infection going on. Um, there's, there's some, uh, some probiotics that you can take. I was just going to say, yeah. take probiotics. Yeah. Please take you your, always or, take or eat fermented <laughs> foods. Like mm-hmm. that's going to be like, the natural probiotic, yeah. like like yeah. eat some kimchi, like That's, do it, do it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah, because it helps. And I mean, I if people have a lot of stress and anxiety, they can actually give themselves an ulcer, right? Mm-hmm. So if you take that just daily, uh, my dad tells me this all the time. <laughs> so I'm like, he's probably so proud. <laughs> but if you just take them daily, you know, and be preventative about it, you're going to be better off. Right. I mean, I mm-hmm. I had a police officer as a patient, and he was under a lot of stress mm. and his stomach was just killing him. And I was like, is it the core exercises? Cause I feel like you're tolerating him. And it was a fine. mental thing. Cause he's he was stressed always out. on call fight or flight constantly. Mm. Cause he's a cop, especially in this day and age. It's like, yeah, I bet he's stressed out. Yeah. yeah. And so it, yeah. it ended up being an ulcer. <laughs> so oh, wow. yeah. he got on the antibiotics or not the antibiotics, sorry, probiotics. Yeah. And he, he did a lot better with that. But now he's can, like, I just take them regularly. <laughs> can you cure an ulcer just with probiotics? I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it can help. I yeah. think there's some other medication. Is ulcer removed? Is that how it... I, it's like a, a hole. Ulcer guy. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like an, uh, an inflammatory hole is the only way I can think of yeah. describing it. So you have to get... I think the probiotics help with knocking down the bacteria and then it kind of heals on its own. Gotcha. But I think you also have to take some medications to calm it down. Because I think it's basically like when your stomach bleeds internally, correct? Like something like that. Yeah, you can then, you can get blood from it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I kind of... And there's a lot of we'll theories about the pain, <laughs> the painkillers and like, does that actually blunt the healing when you're not feeling it? Like the pain of it? Or is that... Or is it just... You bring up a really good point. I'm glad you brought this up because... Um, one question I'm always asked is, should I take Advil, should I take Tylenol, or should I take naproxen? Um, oh, it depends on the situation. Which don't pop PT? four or five Advils at a time, guys. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like the answer to every question in PT is it depends. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if, it's a, if it's a new injury and we're not really sure what it is, I don't like people to take painkillers because I don't want them masking it and then continuing to hurt it. Right. Um, if it's an athlete, and this is where my athletic training side comes in. I was talking about this earlier, the difference between athletic training and PT. With athletic training, there's a tendency for us to think, what can we do to get this person through the game? Mm-hmm. The PT side, it's like, Long-term. how can we prevent them from hurting when they're 50? Mm-hmm. Um, but now the movement in athletic training is great because they're kind of starting to think along those lines. So they're thinking, you know, what can we do to get them through this game, but make sure they're not... Yes. We have them for next 50. season. <laughs> like, if we were, yeah, 50. Yep, yep. So yeah. there's definitely more of a movement there, but... Um, you know, if it's an athlete and they've got a game, I tell them, you know, you could play if, it, if they're able to within reason, you could play, just take some ibuprofen. So you're not altering how you're moving. Right. Um, so you're staying strong, but if you know, you want to 
Is this game so important to you that you have to play tonight, or would you rather play in the championship that's two weeks away? Exactly. And that's yeah. a great way of playing it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you don't want to lose you in the, in the last quarterfinals when yeah. we still got to play in the championship. Like yeah. Chris Paul, I, I don't know the totality of his situation. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting case. It's but, an interesting case. Because I think... He t- what I could tell, he said he wasn't injured the entire time, like at the end of the uh, playoffs, at least. Yeah. With his hand. I mean, to me, it seemed like a stinger, or you know, like uh, yeah. a traction injury on the nerve yeah. in the neck, but it affects the shoulder because the nerve bundles right there, um, and into the hand. But you know, they can give you injections. That's a big deal. Injections just to get through the game. Cortisol shot, like, yep. see ya. We're gonna go play. Yeah, so that's how, how it came out there. You know, yeah. it came out again. I'm sure they and I, I almost think in the finals that you gotta do it, right? You kind of, so you exactly. kind of gotta You're do it. Looking at the value of like, are you looking at a regular season game? Or are you looking at the finals? First time there, you've got this team there for you know, first time since '93. Uh, because guess what? We, we're, we're never gonna get back to the finals again. I mean, maybe we are. No, no we definitely are. But uh, <laughs> are like, like, to. what if? Like, there's always that what if, especially if. Chris Paul's getting older. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, dude, let me go all in. We're in the championship. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. who cares what I'm like when I'm 50? That At least I won an NBA championship. That is an interesting point, though, because his play definitely declined in the, in the finals. Like, and you could tell, you know, and it was almost like, geez, what if we, you know, sat on the two series in between? But then it's like, maybe we're not even there. So I don't know. There's a lot of what ifs. Ooh. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it is important, like, especially with people who, <clears throat> like, it can even be as far as, like, someone who wants to play tomorrow and be like, do you want to play tomorrow or be able to walk, like, when you're 50 years old, you know, like, for someone, like, for a catchers in baseball yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. with knee injuries and stuff like that, ACL injuries, you know, yeah. and if you push it to that level, it's like, okay, you're a competitor, we get it, but, <laughs> like, look at, look, look at, after your body, man, you know, Definitely. it's just, I don't know. And that's, I mean, same thing with the World Series. You got a seven game series. You know, is the first game as important to you as the seventh game? If it's going to go to seven, hopefully four. But, right. <laughs> hopefully four. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you like, you have to weigh that option. So if it's a series that's tied two and two, do you want to sit the guy or do you want to play him? Yeah. Does that player want to hurt when they're 50 or do they want to, are they okay with? Right. Yeah, and they got to make that judgment like how much is like this guy's wins uh, or yeah wins over replacements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wins a, a, yeah against. Yeah, anyways. yeah. So it's definitely like a something that you have to weigh, and I think that's where sports PT is different from traditional PT because, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I have my athletic training background and strength and conditioning background because, um, with athletic training, one of the biggest things that was emphasized was treating the athlete as an athlete, like. Mm-hmm. They identify as an athlete. So if they're doing their rehab in the training room, but their team's practicing downstairs, maybe you should move their rehab to the court (laughs) and have them do the rehab in front of the coaches. Coaches see what they're doing. They like it. Great. They know they're working. They're not just up there getting Mm -hmm. massage. Um, Not that that's what athletic trainers do because they do so much more than that. But, um, you know, I think just making sure that the athlete understands, hey, what are your life's goals? This is what you're signing yourself up for. Um, if you take care of your body now, you're going to save yourself later because you're going to get those athletes who are like, I don't stretch. I don't roll out. I don't, you know, I don't do PT. Yeah. I dislocated my elbow. We're just going to go with it. I'm like, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to make some major changes. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> just out of curiosity, have you ever had a, um, have you ever had a physical therapy with a torn UCL Tommy John surgery yes. in baseball? Have you? Yep. Yep. Ooh. Tell us about that a little I think bit. That's yeah. a nine month thing as well. Nine Maybe, to ten months, yeah. I think. It's a it's I think especially closer to a year, actually. Now I'm th- thinking about it. It can be more or less. Um, again, it kind of depends on the surgeon's protocol, but also based on how the athlete or patient's um, progressing. Rehab. Yeah, how they rehab, how yeah. they take care of themselves during the rehab too. Right, because yeah. like if I had Adrian Peterson on my table and he was like, "Yeah, I'm playing football in six months," I would have been like, "No, you're not." But then if he's, you know, let's say it's month four and he's just killing it, then I'm like, okay. He's in the hyperbaric chamber every day, getting in the sauna, (laughs) getting in the ice tub. He also was in really good shape, though, going in. So there's a difference between muscle memory, 12-year-old Alex and superstar Adrian Peterson. 12-year-old Alex, who never touched a weight in her life and just swam in the pool for 10 years, (laughs) like gets in, you know, to rehab and her legs just all withered. It's just this tiny little stick yeah. where you have Adrian Peterson, who's an absolute truck 
has <laughs> <laughs> got muscles bigger than yeah. Yeah. heads. Like, yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, his whole one quad is probably bigger than my whole body. But he can like <laughs> he'll he'll be fine. So he'll progress a lot faster than twelve year old Alex will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so it, yeah. it kind of varies. But yeah, UCL rehab, it's interesting. Um just kind of like any other injury, really. Just, mm-hmm. you know, make sure they're doing all the right things. Um, the throwing program is a lot of fun. I like that because that's when... Yeah. I think that's what they look forward to the most is yeah. when they can throw. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. <laughs> then that's you can like start the, seeing your progress immediately. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, doing the throwing program is a lot of fun. It's That brings up another concept with sports rehab is you have to make sure when you're working with any athlete, I mean, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your go-getters who are like, I'm going to do everything times 100. Mm. And then you have your others who are like, I'm going to do everything the PT says. And then you have your others who are like, I'm not going to do a thing. (sighs) When you hit the throwing phase, I feel like it falls more towards, I'm going to do everything times 100. Yeah. So, because they're so excited about it. Yeah. You really have to like. They start to overwork it. Yeah. So you really have to like draw them back, say, hey, you know. This is all we're doing today. Yep. Stick to the program. You don't want to end up back in square one. (laughs) And that's a hard thing with athletes. No, because because you want to get back. Mm -hmm. No matter what. As a competitor, as an athlete, you want to like be there as quick as you can back to like recovery. Because you know who you were beforehand. You're like, I am this guy. It's your identity. I bet that's a tough, uh, I bet that's a tough thing on your end to like kind of get them in that mindset of like. I know, I know you want to get back out there, <laughs> down boy, you know. Middle. Yeah. Like, Stay middle, yeah. buddy. Cause yeah. <laughs> you can ask anyone I know. I have a hard time saying no. Yeah. So <laughs> if someone's like, I really want to do this today, I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe not. Mm. Let's do this instead. You know, I'd always try to find something in the middle. Right. But something yeah. that's still, you know, following the protocol or the guideline. Sure. You know, like, for example, I had a runner um, with patellar tendonitis, and it was pretty bad. But she was back to the point where if she ran a 5K, she was fine. She would run like 10 miles a day. Um, nice. She could run a 5K. <laughs> what I an know. animal. <laughs> like, I'm like, whew, see you later. Oh, um, Lord. But when she, I was not. Right? <laughs> not like that. So if I told her from a traditional standpoint, you're not to run at all for the next three weeks, uh, do you think she would do it? Nope. Absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. So I take it as, okay, well, you can run three miles before you have any pain at all. If you push it to three and a half, do you have pain? Yeah. Okay, we're going to stick to three miles. That's your limit. So you're still getting to do what you want to do. And this goes back to the whole mantra of like, you're doing PT, but you're never missing a day of your sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and she was just a recreational runner. She wasn't like a professional or anything. But Mm -hmm. if that's what makes her happy and happiness goes with mental health, and if mental health is good, then you're going to heal better. Yeah. Then that's usually what I attribute it to so i i told her like yeah you should be fine to run just yeah. keep it at a 5k yeah um if you start having pain before you hit the 5k you need to stop reevaluate maybe just do a mile mm-hmm. and that's what people that's don't get like the, when they get that injury and when they're not an athlete and then they they're like i can't run ever again like but yeah. you can like that you should be running again if you stop running it's not gonna you're not gonna get you're just gonna continue to mm-hmm. get in the opposite direction not I, I right mean, and that I mean, Especially I guess, if you like it, like that's your sport, that's your thing. Like, yeah, you should always try to strive to be better than where you were before. And absolutely. I know there are some situations where, you know, like um, there was an Olympic swimmer, and I feel terrible, I'm forgetting her name right now. Uh, she ended up having a spinal cord injury. Um, and she's in the valley, I think. But, um, I mean, she's obviously not going to swim to the capacity that she was at. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, with her, I watched a video on her and her whole mental preparedness for this was insane like Mm. she just had such a positive outlook on everything and you know most people when they're like told yeah you're never gonna walk again because you're paralyzed i mean that's that's awful to hear that heavy heavy news yeah (laughs) completely life-changing yeah but she took it in stride and and so firm too like yeah you're never gonna walk yeah (laughs) but she took it as okay this is a new challenge Let's see how good I can get. Right. Way to look at life, you know? Yeah. It's like this is your new normal, but you can make it a better new normal. It doesn't have to just be normal. Sit and wallow in your. Yeah. So she's still super active. yeah. I need but. to work on that. Like, <laughs> when I get on news, it's like, I go it's like, uh, just like a show. My day's just like flipped upside down, you know? I really do, though. Like, that's something. Because, I mean, you can crumble. If you're told that news, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, right now, if I was told that news, I'd be like, I would, my mind wouldn't even go to, oh, 
new opportunity, like to do something, you know. Well, and I'm sure they didn't like immediately think that. Like I'm sure, I'm sure they had to like. I'm sure. Tell themselves a bunch of times, like, "Hey, yo, we're good." And you can never find the best in it. Yeah. Prepare for something like that. I'm just putting into like kind of perspective of like you know most people are not ingrained like that. They just don't have the wherewithal when they get that kind of news to be like, okay, like let's you know we'll tackle this with the best you know attitude possible. And hopefully podcasts like this can help people change that mindset. But listening to people like you, which is like such <laughs> yeah. amazing information that we got oh, from you. this. Like this is, <laughs> I can't believe, like people need to hear this. So that they, especially young athletes going through those injuries and, mm-hmm. and dealing with these things because it's, it's really important to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And take and care of it properly. Just having the, just having the mental mindset like, hey, you know, new challenge. That's one way to look at it. Or you could look at it and be like, oh, I'm hurt. This mm-hmm. sucks. I'm going to pout about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all hit that point when we get injured. We're like, oh, man, this sucks. But you also have to look at it like, okay, this is a new challenge for me to get even better than where I was before. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell patients that too. Um, I had a really good conversation about this this morning with a patient, and uh, he's a former athlete. He was in the Commonwealth Games. Um, but he, I mean, just his whole outlook on everything. You know, ever since I started working with him, he's like, yeah, I mean, it hurts. Um, it affects what I do on a day-to-day basis, but – He's not going to just sit there and do nothing about it. He's coming to the gym and working out and right. um, I'm giving him a program to do at home. He does it and he's, he's taking it in stride. He's doing really well. So mm. very, very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, any, any last things? <laughs> any, any last, it's all good, man. It's all good. No, 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 no. That's great. This is what we want. Um, any last things you want to say to us before we get you out of here? I think I guess just thank you for having me. This has been great. Yeah. yeah so. No. No. Thanks for yeah. spilling all the information. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And uh, where can we find you at as a physical therapist? And, so yeah. I'm at Spooner Physical Therapy on 40th Street. And do you have any social media feeds you want to plug real quick? Uh, do you want anyone to follow you I, or like no? <laughs> it's okay. We I don't just have, have to. my baking page on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Well, if you want any good uh, cooking information, we got a baking page. Oh, baking. <laughs> That's about it. Oh so. oh, so you bake. Anything. What's your specialty? Cookies. Anything cookies. Anything uh, with sugar. Anything with but sugar. Oh. I also make protein bites. So um, how's your nutrition uh, with your athletes? <laughs> I tell them the other things to eat, not the sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I okay, keep that okay, for myself. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And this was an awesome conversation. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys. I'm sure a lot of you will. And if you know someone who can benefit from this, even someone like interested in the physical therapy world, you know, trying to get into that, then spread the word, spread the word, share this with everybody. Uh, If you enjoyed, please leave a review and share again. Um, Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Woody, is there anything you'd like to close out with? I think that's it. Aloha, guys. All right, buddy. Aloha. Aloha.